There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Claire McKenna. You're listening to Changemakers, the podcast series that talks to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. I felt almost ashamed contacting my next guest, not because I didn't know that they would be an incredible guest and I knew I wanted to cover the topic of racism, but because since the Black Lives Matter movement, I for the first time have begun to look at my part in systemic racism. And when I look back at my work over 20 years of working in radio and television, I know that the majority of people that I have interviewed have been white. And when I have interviewed a person of colour, it has usually been to discuss the topic of racism, which, of course, is a positive thing if you're raising awareness and talking about an issue. And I'm all for that. But it made me think, why are we not seeing more people of colour in opinion roles on television, be it as a doctor, a psychologist, a teacher. And yet here I am contacting someone that I have seen to be a brilliant, eloquent, intelligent speaker. And the main thing I want to ask her about is racism. Her name is Amanda Ade. And the first time I saw her was on an Instagram video which went viral that she posted after the murder of George Floyd. And she had seen a lot of people commenting online in Ireland here, where she's also from, saying, why are you all upset about this? Sure, this is something that's happening on the other side of the world. And it's still on her page now and still gives me goosebumps to watch it. She spoke so beautifully about such an ugly truth and since then has amassed a huge following. While she also has many other interests on her Instagram page and in her life, she does continue to post from time to time to talk about how we can become better allies or better still, a coalition and a better society all round. She's now a co-host of the hugely successful Black and Irish podcast based on the Instagram page of the same name. She has her own podcast, Boxed Out, which deals with different uncomfortable topics every week. So I knew she'd be okay with being asked to do the same for this podcast. Of course, we talk about the recording of that video, what led to it, what happened after it, how she feels being a representative for racism here in Ireland and with a a global platform. And we talk about some of the barriers as to why somebody can come here from another country and not be able to work in the job for which they are qualified. We need to talk about racism. We need to feel we can ask the right questions. We need to lean into the uncomfortable and we need to do better. I'm so grateful to Amanda Ade for being my guide in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So, Amanda, you are very welcome to Changemakers. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I mean, 
You talk a lot on social media about feeling uncomfortable. I know Mm -hmm. you have your own podcast now, Boxed Out, where you're taking on those topics. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel uncomfortable, but I want to get this this right. And I think that's something you always say. We should lean into these things. 100%. Don't be afraid of asking the wrong question. Just ask the the question Mm -hmm. because you want to learn and that's where your intention comes from. So I'm hoping I handle this topic correctly. I'm open to be educated and I'm really... Pleased that you are willing to help me and whoever's listening along with that. So thank you very much for giving us your time today. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. So can we start off with a little bit about you? Tell me a bit about your mum and dad, about okay. them coming to Kildare and, and you growing up there. Okay, so I, well, my parents moved to Ireland um, when I was, I think I was two. Um, it was probably a couple of days before my third birthday. Um, and yeah, from like... We moved to Ireland, moved straight to Kildare. So I pretty much just grew up there. Same house my whole life. Um, up until January, actually. I just moved out in January, but fun facts. But um, originally, my my dad is Nigerian. My mom is South African. But they met in South Africa and then moved to Ireland together. Um, growing up, what was that like? Uh, Why did they choose Ireland? Why did Ireland come on the cards? Um, yeah, I think it was just... I actually don't... I think we were supposed to... The initial plan was actually to move to the UK. Um, but then... I think my dad's cousin or some family member anyway had moved to the UK and said, oh, it's not really great here, especially for like bringing up kids and stuff like that. And he had mentioned Ireland. I think at that stage, my dad had like never even heard about Ireland. Um, but he's got like a, he's got a degree in agriculture. So his initial thing was just like, oh, Ireland seems like, like after doing his research and stuff, it seemed like um, kind of like an agricultural kind of... We've loads of fields. Exactly, <laughs> that kind of thing. So he was just like, you know what, let's just go to Ireland. Um, so... That was pretty much, that was it. There was no, like you knew nobody here, no family, no nothing. You just kind of picked up everything and, and left. So what was life like growing up then in Kildare? In Kildare? Um, I'd say good for the most part. Like I loved it. Um, had a really good childhood. Um, like I have older siblings, but they're all like in their late 20s, early 30s at this stage now. Like they're old, old. Um so I feel like I was the surprise child that they never kind of expected. So I was the only one, I was basically the only one in the house for the most part. Um, so I kind of grew up as an only child, even though I have like six other siblings. Um, but yeah, I had a great time for the most part. Um, obviously, you know, growing up as one of the first black people in a space uh, came with its challenges and stuff. But um, yeah, you know, I think, I think now looking back, um, some things were unnecessary, but a lot of it, I think, has kind of, as cliche as it sounds, built me to the person that I am today. And um, yeah, they're kind of they're just experiences that I can kind of just draw from, I think, and learn and move forward. And is there a time that you remember growing up that you felt any kind of difference? Because presumably, like all kids, you grow up innocent. Mm-hmm. I certainly know my kids know no difference. They've never pointed out a different skin color to me or thought mm-hmm. any different so I assume you were the same but did you ever begin to feel that you were different yeah for sure I remember I remember the first time I realized I was black um because that was like a very conscious moment up until that point I was just Amanda and everyone was just everyone um and I think I was I think I was in senior infants at the time and um we used to call we were like coloring in pictures and we used to call peach skin color but then I remember there was a girl, she was sitting beside me and she was just like, but that's not your skin color. You t- take this, and she gave me the brown pencil. She's like, but this is your skin color. And then in that moment, I was just like, oh, it is. Like, and it became, like, became like a realization that, 
oh my god i'm black <laughs> i remember going home to have a conversation with my mom about it and she was just like like what did you think you were this whole time and i think for her because like she grew up you know in africa which is predominantly in south africa which is predominantly a black country even though there is a large white population but like it's not i think when, when being black is not something that africans experience they're just african and um, so it's like when you're kind of removed from that space then then you kind of become black if that makes sense so um i think that was like my initial like i'm different kind of thing and um i i want to say i didn't notice i didn't like noticeably um carry that in my mind if that makes sense but mm. it, it was definitely a subconscious thing um and i was definitely from that point on very aware that like i was I don't want to say on my own, but I became aware that I was a minority in, in, in spaces from that point on. And was there a welcome by the community? Were you just like everybody else? Was there an excitement that you had a different culture, that maybe your mom was cooking a different dinner to one down the road? Was there any of that kind of sharing of, of culture and information? Um, like... I I I want to say there was, but like there really wasn't. Like it was, it was more so a thing of you're in Ireland now, so forget everything else. You're like you have to kind of, um, kind of neglect or leave aside one part of your identity in order to fit into the mold, and in order to like um, integrate, quote unquote. Um, so there wasn't really much of like a celebration of being. Um, different or being African or my heritage and stuff like that. Like it was never really, that was never really a thing growing up. Um, and I want to say like, I see that changing now in schools, but that's probably just the school I was in at the time just wasn't, it wasn't like that. Um, like at that time, specifically primary school, like there was still like a large um, like population of nuns and stuff in the school. So they were from a completely different time. And the, the messaging that I kind of got from that, from a, from them anyway, from a young age was, you should be grateful to be here kind of thing. Um, and I remember someone said that to me once time, like, like you, should, you should be grateful to be here like that. If I wasn't here, I'd probably be like one of the little girls on a choker box is what I was told by a nun. And I must have been probably about six or seven years old. Um, so there, that was the kind of atmosphere I personally had. With kids, it was very different though, because there was that natural curiosity um, so I don't think like with my peers, there wasn't like like malice or anything like that. It was mostly from kind of the older generation um, because they grew up in a different time. Um, not to even justify any actions or justify ignorance, but that's what it was at the end of the day is ignorance. Um, yeah, so that was predominantly, I think it was from older generation, not really from, from my peers. And I want to get into that a little bit later, the idea of being an ally and what the right way to do that is mm -hmm. and the celebration of, of difference rather than just expecting people to just fit in which I think was the image yeah. we all had was probably the best mm -hmm. to say we don't see skin colour and we get into that but mm -hmm. can we cut to May 25th in 2020 yes. and the murder of George Floyd mm -hmm. because so much changed mm -hmm. globally but things really changed for you because you decided to to speak out and use your voice based on what you were seeing. So mm -hmm. where were you at in life at that time? Were you at, at college or what was going on? Yeah, so I was in my final year of college. Um, yeah, I, was, I think just before 
or I just finished exams, I think it was. Um, well, I think locked at that stage, lockdown, we're like two or three months into lockdown. I just started a podcast because um, I finally had the time. Um, but it was never really something that I wanted to get into. Like I never really went out of my way to become an activist or really do anything like that. I just wanted to have the chats with people. Um, but fast forward anyway, the murder of George Floyd happened, um, which was like, I think a monumental event for the world. Um, and I just remember at the time on social media, just seeing a lot of, oh, well, thank God that doesn't happen in Ireland or thank God, you know, that that's America. Look, look how bad America is. And, you know, thank God we don't have that problem in Ireland. And I remember there's a specific comments that really just triggered me. Um, and I think at that point, I was like, okay, I'm just going to make a video and whoever sees it, sees it. Um, so I made a video kind of speaking about how just because it doesn't look the same doesn't mean that like that same feeling or that same um, like the root issue, which at the end of the day, what it was is racism. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist here as well. And I think people were kind of using that to kind of absolve Ireland of any innocence or of any guilt um, in terms of like, you know, just people not really recognizing what goes on on the ground. And I think a lot of with like with those comments, a lot of people, not even just within the black Irish community, but I think with any kind of group that is deemed as different in, in Ireland, that those comments kind of just diminished any experiences you've had uh, and like, um, yeah, just minimizes your feelings and minimizes what you've been through. And tries to, you know, paint a picture that like all things are rosy when it really, really wasn't. Um, and not to say that Ireland is an awful country, but um, it just there is racism here, and it, but it just looks very different. So I think that was my main um, thing that I was trying to get across, just that you know it exists here too. And what do you think was different about George Floyd's killing? Because this happens all the time. Why mm-hmm. do you think this one was a real tipping point and, and an eye opener for everybody? I think a lot of the time people have, you know, reasons. They try to, like, make reasons for why certain things happen. And they try to do the same with George Floyd and, you know, bring up his past and bring up all those kind of things to kind of um, explain away someone's murder. But I think the main difference with this one was the fact that the whole world was kind of, you know, shut down, essentially. And we're now faced with this eight-minute-long video that you can't really explain away. Like, there is no justification for it. Um, and I think at that point, um, even though it had been a lot of people's lived realities, I think it became a reality for a lot of, um, like, white people, essentially. Um, it, that, at that point, I think people realized that, oh, this actually, you know, this actually might be might be an issue. This actually does exist. Um, and because, you know, no one was going to work the next day to get distracted by it and, you know, life was kind of on pause, um, you had to just face it. And there was no looking away there was no escaping it and like that people had no option but to um engage i think and you put up a video that then went viral i watched it again last night and <laughs> it still gives me chills i think when you see somebody like you don't say eh, you don't say um like you know what you want to say it all just flows <laughs> out what do you remember about filming that or or what you wanted to say um, I just said M there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but um, what do I remember? I think I just remember feeling frust- frustrated. Like it was just frustration. Um, I wasn't really trying to. 
I wasn't trying to. Um, now I'm really conscious of it now. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I wasn't. I wasn't really trying to um, do anything. If that makes sense, I was just trying to say what was on my mind. Like I wasn't. There wasn't like an ulterior. There wasn't like a. I'm trying to become an activist. I'm trying to be the voice of. Da -da 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 -da. It was just. I was just feeling frustrated. I was feeling annoyed, and I just made a video. Um, and just. I don't know. I was kind of surprised by the by the reaction and just by how many people watched it how many people were sharing and the comments as well like i don't know it was just crazy it was a crazy time it's something I, I never really expected and it kind of caught me off guard as well and you were sort of inspired by those comments you were seeing about yeah. this not happening in ireland and yeah. why are people here getting angry about something that's happening so far away yeah. and i nearly think that that's representative of how so many of us thought that mm -hmm. we thought, oh God, that's terrible. Yeah. But I'd never do anything like that. Exactly. I'm not part of anything like that. Whereas the messages that you were giving out about what racism really is and mm -hmm. how systemic it is yep. and how silent solidarity has a part to play in it 100%. was a major eye opener for so many people. It really changed the conversation. Mm. 100%, 100%. Uh, like like I said before, people were very much of the impression that it's it's a faraway problem, and you know, it really, it, it's something that it's here on our shores as well, and it has to be addressed. And at that point, like that was the main, the main aim of my podcast was having those uncomfortable conversations, those necessary but uncomfortable conversations. And again, I think it was just something that was absolutely necessary, and I'm glad that you know the conversation was opened up and that it was started because. Um, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation now, and um, like, you know, we wouldn't have seen we wouldn't have seen the changes that we have over the past year as well. So I'm glad that it, you know it started and that it was opened up in that way. Because it certainly made me question myself and mm. times where I might not have called out racism because mm -hmm. you talk about that. Yeah. Why? in my work on TV and radio, why I didn't ensure that I made sure all of the guests I spoke to were diverse. It didn't mm -hmm. even enter my head. Mm -hmm. And even that whole idea that, oh, sure, I don't see your, your skin colour. I just see you as somebody else. We thought mm -hmm. that was a really positive thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Black Lives Matter movement made us all think, do you know what? Maybe that's actually not very complimentary at all. Not at all. And not at all, because it, it negates a part of your identity. Like, I want you to see my colour. It's a part of who I am. It's something that I'm very, very proud of. And not even just colour, my my heritage, my culture, all of that is a part of me. So you can't say that, you know, you see me as a person without seeing all those other facets of my identity. It's just, it comes hand in hand. So I think it needs to, it's something that, like I said, it's a part of me. So it comes, it comes, as, as it comes with, with me um, and like it, as it should, as it should. So what are the right questions to ask and then what are the wrong questions to ask? I mean, I know Erica Cody has a song out, Where Are You Really From? Because she's fed up trying to explain mm -hmm. that she's from Dublin and people are trying to do the, the, the right thing. And I'm not mm -hmm. asking you to speak on behalf of, of Erica, but what is the, the, the right thing to do? Is it OK to start asking, tell me about your parents, tell me about your culture? I think that's the thing. It just, it depends on person to person. Like you wouldn't, it's just the same way that you wouldn't just go up to a random person and ask on the street, like, oh, tell me about your family. Tell me about whatever. Um, I think for the most part, I can only speak for myself individually. Um, for the most part, I think when it's coming from a place of genuine curiosity, I personally have no issue having a discussion about it. Um, but then again, there needs to be some kind of like relationship, if that makes sense. So it's like you're, 
getting to know the person as an individual and it's not just this random hey tell me about your family and tell me about yourself like i don't even know you we haven't established any kind of you know connection in that way um i think it just it, it depends on how like how or the intent behind it i think just the intention behind the question um yeah i have no issue like I don't understand yet the question. Tell me where you're really. Tell from. me where you're really from. Exactly. I think that's that's where the issue lies. Like when if someone when if you ask, uh, tell me where you're from, and they say one thing, and then you know you follow up with, you know where are you really from, that automatically that disqualifies the first answer that they've given you yeah. because that's like it's you're saying it's not sufficient. Um, so I think I don't know saying something like, well, what's your background or, um, you know, what's your heritage or questions like that. Um, if that's the question that you're asking, um, I think is a bit more acceptable. I think people would accept a bit more. Mm. Um, but then again, it differs from person to person. Like it's because it's almost a suggestion there. If you're like, tell me where you're really from, we're like, no, you're not Irish. You're, exactly. You can't be Irish. Exactly. Which is why I think what you're doing with Black and Irish, the page and the podcast, is is so important. And you just introduce people and go, mm-hmm. here's me, here's my story, here's yep. what I'm doing now. And you just want to educate and inform and connect 100%, people. 100%, 100%. So had that actually been set up before the Black Lives Matter movement when you said you'd done a podcast? No, so that was actually completely separate. So um, the Black and Irish page was set up, I think, 3rd of June last year. Um, and that was set up just by um, Leon, Bonnie and Femi. And then I think I did an interview with them probably a month after that. So probably sometime in July. And then they asked me to come on team in August. So I actually only joined them in August after everything was, you know, kind of kind of set up. Um, so yeah, that was set up after after everything had happened. And I think that was one of the major reasons or one of the major like factors for the page being set up was to educate people, first of all, on, on the presence of the black and Irish community and also to just kind of diminish any... Um, misinformation or misconceptions that people had of people within the black Irish community because I think from the comments we were seeing online that was very very evident and people just didn't understand and at the end of the day like the black Irish community like we're parts of the we're parts of the Irish community like we're your neighbors your friends you know we're in classrooms with your kids we are you know in your workplaces and I think getting to know people on that personal level and um, will really just break down any barriers and break down any misconceptions and I think one of the main things that was highlighted last year was like as people were saying that oh thank god Ireland is like isn't like America in a sense yes thank god it's not thank god it's not you know to that extent and I think our main uh, motivations now is like making sure we never even get there we never even get to that stage where you know stuff like that is happening um so we just tackling things on a root level now while we still can um before it kind of spirals out of out of control and I've seen you talking on TV about Black Irish History Month yep. you know telling people things that they would never have known we, exactly. we don't we don't hear about that it's mm-hmm. as if it's just this new phenomenon mm-hmm. that has happened you do cook-alongs uh, just like educating people in a yeah. fun way so it's not this let me sit you down and tell you how not to be racist yeah, it's no, just let all. us connect exactly. and combine exactly that's all it is at the end of the day like no one wants to be like I'm not, I'm not trying to be lecturing people. I, I'm not trying to be, you know, like I. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like I, it's not something I want to continue doing. Um, but like for now, it's necessary. But yeah, I just want to get to the stage where you know people are just people, and it's not even 
like yeah absolutely you can be a black irish person but then they like you're a person and you're an individual and you know you have a story you have a background you have a culture that's all there and that's all part of you um that's what you know makes up who you are um it's not entirely who you are um but yeah just kind of trying to connect people on a on a personal level um because i think when you see when you see people as a monolith or when you see any group as a group it it kind of gives you um leeway to kind of separate yourself from them if that makes sense so it becomes like a an us versus them kind of thing but when you start to see people on an individual basis and break down that monolith then you can actually see that okay no this is amanda and that's leon and that's bonnie and then when people say things like oh black people are this and you have it in your mind that well i know amanda very well i know i know bonnie i know leon i know all of these people very well and this is not my experience of 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 these people so it's like you know when you get to know people on an individual basis it kind of it, it minimizes room for ignorance um in the long run so i think that's that's the main aim just kind of get people on a personal level and when this opportunity came up with black and irish for the page and the, and the podcast and to be a part of that how did you feel because like you said you just put this video up you felt mm-hmm. compelled to do it you were studying science yeah. am i right so yeah. you had a whole new tra- trajectory now that mm-hmm. it just had started to just snowball and happen so mm-hmm. how did you feel about moving forward and and, and and doing that yeah so um in terms of studying science like I, halfway through my degree, I realized I didn't even want to work in science full full term. But um, it was I had already started this, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just leave it. I'm gonna finish it out and, and finish it. So that was like my main thing there. Um, what I realized in that time that what I well actually not in that time, but probably about two years ago, what I actually have a passion for. I think I had an interest in science, but not a passion. Um, but what I actually had a passion for was people. So that was again, like I said, that's part of the reason I started up the podcast. It's about people talking about people's stories um talking about people's experiences people's lives that kind of thing um and you know when i did the interview with the lads and over black and irish and i saw what their page was doing i realized that a lot of our goals were the same and we had a lot of things you know a lot of commonalities so i'm not gonna try and carry the load of the whole thing and try and do by myself when there's a team of people there that are trying to do the same thing and i'm very much uh you know collaboration over competition so 100 i was i was super excited to join the team and just really i think as a as a collective like you can just do so much more you can go so much further and you know it's not about it's not about an individual it's not about one person it's about making you know an actual impact and making change so that was my you know motivations to to join the team and i was excited to do Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. I have the same passion. I love people's stories, people's experiences. Mm-hmm what's made them who they are exactly. and what's brought them to where they are. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's a perfect way for you to do that because you're just telling people stories yeah. and putting it out there. Because mm-hmm. even when we were setting up this interview, I said, you know, I want to ring you to come on and talk about, I don't know, everything from showbiz news to the new tax bans. I don't mm-hmm. want to keep talking to you about racism. I just mm-hmm. want to talk to you as Amanda Ade. So. Yeah. Is there a kind of a conflict in that for you? Because there's times, say, in your video where you Mm -hmm. said, I sometimes feel like I am representing my entire race with Mm -hmm. the way I carry myself, with the way I talk, with what Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily something you want to take on 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 a daily basis to be battling Mm -hmm. racism. You just want to be doing your thing. Yeah, just want to exist. (laughs) Literally just want to exist as, you know, a person. Not even like, as much as I'm proud of it, like, I don't want to be conscious of the fact that I'm a black person in Ireland every single time I step out my door. Like, that's not something I want. Um, I just want to exist. I just want to, you know, live my life and do what I love doing. Um, I think that's the same for for anybody. But at the same time, I know that um, if no one addresses it, then, you know, who will? Um, It's the work that needs to be done. So I kind of, you know, um, as much as it is a heavy burden, I won't lie. It is. It's a lot. At times, um, but for where we're at right now, I think it's it's necessary. Um, and like again, that's part of the reason I joined the team. I think it's um, a load is a lot lighter when you're carrying it with with a group of people um, or with a lot of people. But um, yeah, like you said, like it's not something. <laughs> it's not so as much as I'm passionate for change. And I'm passionate for you know impacting and making a difference long term like I don't want to like I said before I don't want to continue talking about racism I just want to just want to exist I just want to be be a person and just do what I want to do and I think it's starting to to happen you know Mm -hmm. that you're now a podcaster I know you contribute on the six o'clock show and you're not talking about racism (laughs) which is really positive Mm -hmm. how do you feel about quotas I know when gender quotas Mm. are discussed how do you feel about diversity quotas do you want people to be judged for who they are Mm. or do we need that extra push I know as a woman I'm conflicted against it or do we need that extra push Mm. just to normalize things a little bit more yeah so this is a sticky one um it's it is conflicting like part of me wants to say you know, it should just be a natural mm. thing. Like one hundred percent. But while it's yeah. not, yeah, I think while it's not, it, it it's necessary. It is necessary. It's it's necessary to just even to for, to have that representation in the room. It's absolutely necessary, um, because you can see like a lot of you can see certain companies, for example, that may not have a lot of diverse um workers and things like that, and you can see how tone deaf they can be with certain topics. Um, so I think having that representation in the room, first of all, is beneficial to the company um, or to beneficial to whatever space it may be. But um, like and also I like on the flip side of that as well, for young black Irish kids growing up, seeing somebody on screen that looks like them, it does wonders because for I think for me, for me growing up, like I would have thought a lot of those spaces were out of reach for me just because I'd never saw anyone that looked like me in those spaces. So you wouldn't even you wouldn't even dream to be in, in those kind of spaces or you wouldn't even dream to, to do certain things because you just you wouldn't think it's possible for you 
Um, and when you're here in Kwanzaa, oh yeah, but black people don't, we don't, you know, you don't really, there, there are no black people there, there are no, you know, people of color there or whatever. And that was kind of the rhetoric from our parents' generation, kind of passed down onto us that, oh, you know, this is not really a place for black people. And um, because their experience was completely different. Um, so, you know, it kind of instills that in you that certain things are out of reach for you. So I think having that representation in the rooms, having people in those spaces, it does so much for the community. It does a lot. Like, how was Black Panther the first black superhero ever? I mean, that, yeah. you think it's something quite small and trivial, mm-hmm. but actually it's not. It's massive. It is massive. And I remember going to the cinema to see that and I was literally in tears um, because, like, even uh, taken away from the fact that he was black, like, personally, because it was a lot of my personal culture, it was a lot of my South African culture, like, at times his... His dad was speaking my mom's language and stuff like that. So it's like little things that seeing, just seeing that on a screen was like, I was what, maybe 19 or 20 when that came out. That re- that brought me to tears in the cinema. Like it was, it's just, it's unexplainable. Like the importance of it. And you don't realize it up until you see it. You don't even, you don't realize that, that this is what is missing. Or you don't realize that I actually haven't seen myself represented in this way until you see it. Um, so like, yeah, it, it's, it does a lot. I think it was, Black Panther was monumental. That was it. That was a huge, for the culture, Like it, it was massive. It was massive. Can we talk a little bit then about how, as a society, we could do better? Because mm-hmm. I've tried to, to, to educate myself more. I, I hope you feel we've moved on and improved over the year. I'll ask you that question directly in a moment. But mm-hmm. looking into how to be an ally and I, 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 w- I was interested to read that sometimes being an ally is not what's needed. We need a coalition. We all need to mm-hmm. join together. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard capitalism brought into the discussion of racism, but mm-hmm. it is a class divide. And yep. the sooner we are separating people, or the, the, the more we are separating people into groups and the sooner we start to break down all of that and be a collective, mm-hmm. the better we will all be yep. as a society. And that was something that I had never really thought of. So to be an ally, mm-hmm. you're going back to the example you gave of the poor babies on the side of the troker box. Yep. And then you're above them and yep. you're helping them and you're yep. throwing your coins in. Mm-hmm. Who wants that? Everybody wants to be equal in mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. Are we starting to get that? Are you seeing evidence of that a, a little bit more? Mm. I think I think people are aware of it um but i think there is a there is a bit of pushback in terms of actually acting on it and actually implementing changes and actually doing the the necessary work and doing what needs to be done to make those changes um so i think people are definitely aware like the information is out there and there are many people talking about it there's books there's podcasts there's so many resources i think for people to get that information whether they're applying it or not though that's I feel like it's we're still at a very early stage to 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 judge that and to see um you know whether that is or not I think that's something that will take a couple of years to even to even see um but I I want to say that we are heading in the right direction and because in any when you're creating any kind of change awareness is the starting point um so the awareness is it is out there um, I just think there needs to be a bit more of a responsibility on people to do the work and to actually, you know, apply themselves. 
because it's very easy to just like you know to know about it and to know the right things to say and to know um you know uh, just just to know about it um but it's another thing to actually you know change it and you know reflect within yourself reflect in your surroundings reflect in, as to how you can actually be a difference um i think that's that's the point that people are at now and they just kind of it needs to be a bit more responsibility and a bit more pressure i think for people to to actually apply those changes and the actions we need to take i mean it's an obvious one but i i think people previously might not have called out mm-hmm. racism i know i've had family members in the uk who have yeah. said things that i've just not liked mm-hmm. but not said because yeah. i didn't want to ruffle Feathers, feathers and yeah. I didn't want to be involved in drama mm-hmm. but I noted it and thought I'm not into that mm-hmm. now I'd say it yeah. now I'd 100% particularly because I'd have my kids around mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want them to hear that and think that's okay that's not okay yeah. what about in our workplaces then how can we speak up what should we be saying do you think to our to our bosses to to the powers that be to make sure that it's not systemic in the places we work yeah I think just first of all looking around the room and seeing how many people of color are in the room, how, how many people are in the room that don't look like you, um, not even just don't look like you, uh, how many people are in the room that don't think like you, don't share the same beliefs as you, don't, you know, I, what are the differences within the room? And if it's a very homogenous group, then I think that there's something wrong. Um, there needs to be, um, you know, there needs to be certain differences. There needs to be things that, like just different perspectives, different people from different walks of life, people from different backgrounds, different cultures, all of that. Um, I think that just, it really enriches the space, first of all. But what can people actually do? Um, I think first, of, yeah, look around the room and then apply pressure. Like, ask, ask those questions. Ask, why are there no, why are there no black people in this room? Why do we not have, you know, um, just ask, ask those questions and um, try push for change. That's literally all you can do. Like, use, take up whatever space you have. Um, and also, if you know people are open to it i'm just saying educate educate whoever is around you like people that are around you that's that's your sphere of influence those are people that you can you know you have um you have access to so just on on a personal level having conversations with people um when you hear things within certain certain workplaces um say something do something um just i think just be proactive and really be proactive in whatever space you're in Mm, because i think you're right i think step one is awareness but Mm -hmm. then step two has to be action Mm -hmm. for real change i mean we're not going to see it it's going to take years Mm -hmm. for systemic change to really come about Mm -hmm. but i really do believe that small incremental change all adds up to make a really big difference 100 percent, massive massive and actually just another thing on, on workplaces i think um just in terms of just the systemic aspect of things also like if there are certain policies i think in certain organizations that would limit the people that can be in the room or or that can um or like basically filter the people that could be in the room um i think challenging those challenging challenging that is another thing that people can do and because i know that that's probably a major thing faced by um a lot of people within the black irish community i know there's certain certain jobs, certain things that are um, just not accessible for people because of policies that um, may, although at the time may not have been, you know, consciously racist, but as of now, are, they are like actively acting as barriers for people entering certain spaces. So what policies would they be? Okay. So for example, um, you know, for primary, I know like 
I, to a certain to, to a certain degree, I get it. But for like primary school teaching or on Garda Shikana, stuff like that, having Irish. A lot of people, you know, moving into Ireland, they didn't have Irish. Um, a lot of people were, that might have even grown up in Ireland from a young age were probably exempt from Irish. So automatically, those are spaces that you can't get into. Those are, you know, barriers in that sense. Um, then also, like, I think majorly for like our parents' generation, for like first generation, a lot of them would have come over with degrees, masters, PhDs, and they were not recognized in Ireland. So they're basically like, well, we don't recognize that you are fully qualified in, in this in this area. And a lot of people weren't even given the opportunity to even convert their education. And when they were, it was at exorbitant prices that they just could not afford because of, again, that class barrier that's there. So it pigeonholed a lot of people. That's why you have a lot of people. I know so many that are doing like um, like care jobs and taxi driving with PhDs um, just because they're unable to get into, the, into these workspaces and wh- when they're fully, fully qualified. Um, so just, I think, certain policies like that, that are just um, really unfair. Um, it's limiting people. I think from that root level, like when you have a highly educated parent that is unable to um, work in like the space that they have been educated in, it automatically, first of all, it limits the income coming into the family. So that's one step down for the, for the kids already. And then their kids are now seeing their parents like not, not doing what they're, what they're meant to be doing, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and not seeing them um, working where they're meant to be working. And they're working a lot of the time uh, like degrading and menial jobs when they're highly educated. I think it just... It, subconsciously again it, it, it tells that that child that like you know even when you are qualified even when you you do the work and you have put in the, this amount of years it will never be recognized because you know you're not really irish and you're not really you know this is not really you're not it's not home even though this, this is home and it's where you've grew, grown up and yeah and that yeah. self-perpetuates and it's the cycle going. so yeah. that child sets their standards based on what they've seen exactly. their parents do exactly. and that's yeah. not to say there are hundreds of thousands of families where they're a happy taxi driver, mm-hmm. a happy exactly. person working in care. Exactly. But if it's not what you were qualified to, to do, do exactly. and wanted to do mm-hmm. and you can't yeah. for an unexplained reason or you can't be helped. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty mind blowing, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And I think that's why when we're talking about medical issues or current affairs, the experts we're getting on all look pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. They're white and they're in a suit mm-hmm. and that needs to change 100%. for everybody. Yeah, 100%. When you put yourself out there, using your voice as an activist you are like even putting yourself out in social media you're open to to criticism have you faced much what Mm -hmm. what has that been like the the amount of support that you got and and the way it really changed Mm -hmm. what you do for for a living Mm -hmm. as opposed to the the criticism what has that been like um I think initially I found it extremely difficult um like the Amounts of people supporting was by far a lot more. Like it was overwhelming, and um, you know, obviously, as specifically, I think with that first video, as that kind of went viral, there were people coming in that would highly disagree, which is okay, fair enough. Like, there's not everyone's gonna agree with what you're saying. Um, so I think after a while, um, as I continue to put myself into those spaces, um, not even realizing the impact that it would have on myself, um, I think probably like a month. A month or about a month and a half after the first, like the protests and the everything last year, 
um, I was completely burnt out. I just couldn't do anymore um, because of, I, th- I think just because of how tone deaf a lot of people were. Um, and again, like I said, it was never something I like, I didn't intend to go out and do it, but I ended up in those spaces. So, you know, I had to utilize the space as best as I could. Um, but it was a lot of pressure. And I think, again, like I mentioned in the video, like I found myself being the spokesperson for a lot of people when I'm just Amanda and I just have my, I have my own thoughts and my own opinions and not everyone, even within the black Irish community is going to agree with, with what I say. Um, so I think in that regard, there was a lot of pressure because it was, okay, well, Amanda said that, you know, this, this, and this, so this must be for all black people. And then on the flip side of that, there's people that are saying, well, oh, if you hate Ireland so much, then, you know, just go back to whatever country you came from. And I'm like, this is the reason, the reason I'm even speaking, the reason I'm trying to change it is because I view Ireland as my home, because I care so much. And naturally, like you want your home to be the best possible place that it could be. And um, when you see that, you know, there are changes that um, could be made to make it better. Absolutely do that. If anything, for me, that that shows a love more than more than a hate. Um, so like it, it was a lot of mental pressure. And I think um, I had to be very, very afterwards, I had to become very conscious of realizing that I'm only one person and I can't really carry the whole the weight of everything. Um, and yes, realizing I'm an individual at the end of the day, like as much as I'm trying to better things and, you know, change things in the country there. I, there's only so much one person can do and I think having grace for myself in that sense and just you know taking time um but yeah there was a bit of pressure there was I found my like especially on social media like people just people are just they're crazy um I can't remember the, if any event would happen for example there was like a, a stabbing I remember down in Cork and it was a young black boy that was involved a mixed race boy anyway involved and I remember at the time just getting messages like, oh, why are you not talking about this? Why are you not talking? And I think people just have an expectation then that like any event that has to do with any black people in Ireland, I now have an obligation to talk about. So just that responsibility and um, just kind of alleviating myself from that has been my journey over the last year, I'd say. Um, just, yeah, kind of reclaiming myself as myself um, has been, I've had to be very conscious of that. And creating some boundaries. I mean, I don't even know what there was to argue with on your first video, because really Mm -hmm. all you said was, this is how I feel. This is my experience. You didn't demonize anybody. You kind of said, look, it's not happening in America. There's no borders. It happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But would you bother getting into it with somebody if they put a comment or DM you with something? Do you bother trying to convince them otherwise? Or do you just want to move with the people that are moving forward with you? Again, it depends on how they approach. Like if somebody disagrees with me, but approaches in a way that they're open for conversation, 100% I'll have a conversation with that person. Because I feel like if you're curious enough to ask a question, even if you disagree um, and you are mature enough to approach it in a responsible responsible way or a respectful way, I'd say, um, I would have no issue engaging with, with those kind of people. But, you know, some people are just far gone and some people are just... There is there is no convincing like from their tone you can tell that they've already they have their their perceptions and nothing that you say is gonna you know affect that so I would just move with in that sense I would move with the people that are that get it the people that understand and um, you know hopefully somewhere down the line those other people um, you know join <laughs> join the the right side of history I'd say. <laughs> 
So what's the future then? Black and Irish is flying. The podcast yes. is on the RTE mm-hmm. platform, which is a huge step forward for Ireland, really, when, yeah. when you look at it. Massive. And, and yet just quite normal, which is where we want to get mm-hmm. with all of all of this separation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your own podcast, Boxed Out, yes. where you're looking to talk to people about topics that nobody likes to talk about mm-hmm. so you're not afraid of a challenge and I, and I love that and you want to break down barriers is, mm-hmm. is, is that your, your your motivator is that your your push 100% 100% I think if I don't know if I see I'm, I'm that kind of person if I see if I see a challenge if I see something difficult it, like it excites me a bit more um, because I'm like like at the end of that if we do like you know you know if we do go the whole way and um I'm like, what's the word? I like to win. <laughs> so it's like that, that that really motivates me in that sense. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just really in, hungry for, for change. I, just, I want things to be good. I want to have, um, like I want Ireland to be in a better shape by the time. If I do have kids, like I want Ireland to, to look a lot better. So um, what does the future hold? There's a lot. There's a lot. In terms of black and Irish, um, we actually just announced we're hosting a festival next year. Um, so that's for the for the community. That's something that's going to be massive. Um, again, it's something that hasn't been done, and it's something that's that it's going to be new. And um, because of the lineup, we're looking at predominantly like all black mixed race Irish artists. I think for a lot of those artists, they've never been given a platform. They've never had the chance to be given um, a platform to just engage with their with their fans and you know be given a chance essentially. So um, we're really really excited for that. Um, on a personal level, um, I'm just excited to see what I, like. I, I have no, I have like my long term goals and things I want to do within the next like year or two. Like I want to get into, I'm, I'm in the process anyway of getting into like um, writing, directing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, just I'm just excited for the future. And I love that your page now is peppered not only with your your work, if you want to call it as an activist, with the mm-hmm. things you're passionate about, but also the other things you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Fashion, yep. makeup you love, and that's how it should be. Like, mm-hmm. you're just Amanda, yep. you know, but you are a change maker for sure. You definitely fit in very well under the, the banner of this podcast. Uh, can we talk briefly about one other difference, if you will, about you? You don't do text messages or WhatsApp. <laughs> What is that all about? <laughs> I'm just not a texter. I like anyone, every single person that knows me knows that if you send me a text, you can expect a reply in about five to 10 working days. I just like, I'm that's no word of a lie. Five to 10 working days. Like it's not even a thing. It's like, I will see it for the most part. I'll see it and I'll reply in my mind. <laughs> but I'm like, I've never actually, like I won't remember that I haven't physically replied and then when people get frustrated, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I actually never replied. And then sometimes they won't even people won't follow up with another text. And it's like five days later. And I'm like, oh, crap, it's five days. I can't go back now. And then like the shame and the guilt just like gets to me. And I just never reply because I'm like, how can I go back? And it just builds up because the time just keeps going on. And I'm like, oh, crap. I just always think That's when like, I meet people like yeah. you in, in this crazy group, the strength of character you must have not to feel the pressure of the mounting numbers in your WhatsApp or it's, in your text message. It's insane. Can I show you my, my, yeah. my mail? Yeah, what are the numbers? My emails. That would keep me awake at night. My emails are... 
17,709. How many text messages? On my emails, 56 text messages, 27 Facebook notifications, five on Instagram. I'm a bit, I'm a bit more okay with my Instagram. 42 on Snapchat. I'm yeah, just, so who can take all that on? I suppose you've just, like you said, you create the boundaries, you do what you do, and look, you're organizing festivals, for God's sake. You obviously get things done. Just ring you. Yeah, just ring me. Literally, just, just ring me. That's, that's the only way to get through to me, to be honest. Great. Well, I'm excited yeah. to see you continue to soar. Amanda Ade, thank you so much for coming on Change Thank Makers. you for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changemakers. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast too. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.